Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trapesky. I'm an executive coach and consultant and mindset mastery expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you move your business forward while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. It's Tracy. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset the podcast where entrepreneurs just like you and me share how they master their mindset to overcome obstacles to their success. At time of recording, I'm feeling very emotional and fully feeling the weight of the events in the world and right here in my own home in the U.S. We stand with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and stand against Putin's unnecessary violence and bloodshed. We also stand with our trans brothers and sisters and youth in Texas and other states where lawmakers are waging a war against their own constituents in the name of bigotry. We must do better. We must love one another. We must take a stand against bigotry and hatred. May you be gentle with yourself and your loved ones. And if you feel tender and can't quite put your finger on why, do not discount the gravity of world events. Please resist the temptation to power through and ignore your feelings. Go easy on yourself and your loved ones. Give them an extra hug. And if you have pets, do the same. Let them love on you and give them a little extra attention and affection. We all need it right now. The timing of airing today's episode couldn't be better in terms of love, special attention to self-care, and living in one's values. As we enter the second week of Women's History Month, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with the generous, soulful, and beautifully powerful Fabienne Fredrickson, best-selling author, founder of Bold Heart, a business coaching company for women who want it all, wife and business partner, mom to three amazing children, and fabulous home chef who I definitely would love to cook for me. We had a lovely and warm conversation. We talked feminine leadership how to have it all and not work weekends, and how to live into her motto of obtaining an obscenely high quality of life. Fabienne shared mindset tips and how she and her team help women business owners and a few men business owners create a wealth consciousness, understand what's available to them, and how to believe and accept the truth that you are divinely capable and worthy of great abundance. She talked about Ikigai, a Japanese philosophy on the reason for being, which is tied to one's purpose for living. Fabienne adds to that and asks the following four questions. One, what am I deeply passionate about? Two, what am I good at? Three, what does the world need vis-a-vis what I do? And four, how good am I at monetizing that? You won't want to miss when we talked marketing and I had a huge aha moment with her simple reframe of how we can approach marketing. Rather than dreading it, we need to prioritize marketing and see ourselves as a marketer who provides such and such service to our clients and customers. 
So for example, I can say, I am a marketer who provides business coaching and consulting services to doctor owners and their practice managers. I help them grow their businesses while taking back their time. I invite you to give it a try. I think you'll feel empowered to change how you see marketing and start to see yourself as being in service of others as you always are, even through your marketing. You won't want to miss when Fabienne talks about understanding that we can't actually fail. This was another aha moment for me. I've always framed failure as a trampoline or a launch pad to success, but taking the negative connotation out of the word failure and reminding ourselves that we can't actually fail, we simply learn, can be a real game changer for entrepreneurs. Our conversation is chock full of so many goodies. So I invite you to grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Fabienne and her amazing journey. Fabienne, it's so great to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm delighted to be connecting with you again, Tracy. Oh my gosh, it's been forever. As we were warming up, we were saying, I think it was like, might've been 2012, 2013, somewhere around there when we met in Reston, Virginia, where I no longer reside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, we've both had pretty substantial moves. We've both relocated since then and, and pivoted business and rebrand and all that. So I'm really excited to, to share this conversation with our listeners. These are unprecedented times and that creates unprecedented moves. It really does. And it opens a lot of opportunity, which, you know, I think we'll dive into, but before we start, because I think we're going to go deep fast, um, I like to always ask guests where you are currently in the world. Uh, Physically, I am in Paris, France. Lovely. And so you were born in France, correct? I was born in France. Mm -hmm. My, uh, My father was French. My mother was American. And I lived my first 10 years here and then a whole bunch of years in the U.S. And something was calling me back to France. Mm. You know, we, we came here for one year and we're on six years now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were just going to have a temporary relocation. A temporary thing. Yeah, like oh, a secondment. It, it felt like home immediately. And because we're entrepreneurs, my husband works with me. We decided to do this thing. I really believe in having an obscenely high quality of life as an entrepreneur and how good will you let yourself have it? And what does that mean? And we decided to go for it. And then we sold our house in the US. We're buying, we live in Paris. We're buying a house in Provence and we're just looking at like, how good could it get? Wow. And teaching others to do the same for, oh. you know, whatever they want. I love that. Ooh, Provence. So will you live there full-time or will you split your time between Paris and Provence? I'd like to split my time between Paris and Provence. Oh, lovely. Oh my gosh. Ah, Side note, I lived in Grenoble (laughs) for seven months when I was in college. Oh, wonderful, wonderful place. Really beautiful. Yeah. I lived with a lovely host family while I was studying there and just ah, great memories of traveling all over the place. But Oh, my heart, my heart's swelling a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Well, I, I would love to hear about your journey as an entrepreneur, however much of it you want to share. I know we were talking about when we make a large change, the, the 2020 word pivot and how we make that pivot or course correction or even a sharp turn. And I know that you've done sort of all of the above in the last several years. And I would love to hear your journey wherever you want to start with that. Yeah, I think maybe we'll just start at the beginning, but not spend too much time there. I started my own business 21 years ago and everybody, you know, 
tells you like, you know, every, they started their business for freedom mm-hmm. and impact. And I had freedom, <laughs> but um, I wasn't paying myself. I was floating my life on credit cards. I was floating my business on credit cards. And I had so many series of just dark nights of the soul. Um, one of them is when the, the clients weren't coming in fast enough and the money wasn't coming in fast enough. I just, I actually had this crazy thought of going back to corporate and Tracy, I'm, and I realized very quickly I'm unemployable and mm. cannot go back. It would have been a slow death. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those like Fabienne, dig deep girl, because you cannot go back to work for somebody else. So I created a client attraction system for myself so that I would repeatedly, uh, verifiably uh, always have clients. And it worked for me and other people started asking for it. And so I stopped being a nutrition coach, which was my very first business. And I became this client attraction coach. And then new series of dark nights of the soul coming up over you know over a few years when i reached close to 100,000 a year in my business there was a new form of overwhelm frustration complexity which um, we realize happens around the 8k to 10k mark for for most entrepreneurs and it's when you have a pretty much full practice you make just enough money to to be good financially when you're making about a hundred a year, but you are doing most of the delivery yourself. Maybe you've got some help with like a virtual assistant, a VA or two delegating some things, but you're doing most of the marketing yourself, most of the sales yourself, most of the management, whether it's people or projects, you know, and buying that. I'm just like, there's no more of you to go around. You've got a hand in everything. You are the bottleneck because we're still in the control enthusiasm, not control freak, but control, control enthusiasm. I'm going to change that. That's a Fabianism right there. I, I love that. Share it with you. <laughs> I'll always and, put your name next to it. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can't grow. And this is what happened to me is I couldn't grow to the next level. And what I've learned since, and I'll give you some context of where I am today, not for any other purpose, but to to share what's possible at this stage of business. So the first stage is where you, when you're not yet at 10 K month, really just the only, your only job is to focus on sales and marketing. And if you are not a natural, authentic marketer and, and you don't feel that you can close most people in a way that feels honoring. And again, I'll use the word authentic to you. Then that's your number one job is get yourself to eight to 10 K a month with that. But once you are at that place, it's what I call the leverage stage is you can't actually grow your business using the same methods. And that's what happened to me is like new plateaus and new dark nights of the soul, because I was trying to build my business beyond six figures to by using the same tactics and to grow. And I hope this is a nugget for everybody who's listening here. Uh, and this is what I talk on, uh, about in my book, um, The Leveraged Business, is to make more and scale your business, you actually have to work much less, mm-hmm. which is counterintuitive uh, 
and I know that you are a fantastic entrepreneurial mindset coach. And it's one of the biggest things is to adopt the mindset that what got me here won't get me there. Mm -hmm. And so just context wise, once I started leveraging my business, leveraging a team and happy to dive into any of these and and share some um, insights leveraging a team system, how I use my time. And we're not talking about time management. It's like, how do I use my time on the 20% of activities that actually bring the 80% of results as opposed to the opposite? Yeah. How do I shift my business model to work one to many and all of that? It changes everything. This is what I teach now. And I've, I've been for 13 years now at multiple seven figures a year, but not like what everybody else does. You can be a multiple million a year with 14 to 16 weeks of unplugged vacations a year. Ooh, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you can go from one more email and mommy will be right there, mm-hmm. which is heart like shrinking mm-hmm. to I- I'm here. Like, let's take the week. Let's do, you know, let's be together. Uh, that freedom of time and location that allows you to move your business wherever you want, work only two to three hours a day, that that's possible. Mm. That's what I talk about in the book. In fact, this past year, we've taken, I can't, I can't remember, it's, it's five or six women past the million dollar mark and they're taking more vacations than ever before. They're not bringing their laptops on vacations. And they're not women that you would necessarily think are like these hotshot glamour, you know, it's like you could be standing on the line at the grocery store next to her and have no clue that that woman generates a million or more a year. Mm. That's what's possible. And so I share this because part of the mindset is first be aware of what exists that you don't know that you don't know is available to you. And then that's part of wealth consciousness is understanding what's available to you. And the second part of wealth consciousness, if we're going to talk about it that way, is that when you believe, when you accept it as available to you, and when you expect it and you start working towards it, you can have it. It's not for other people. It's a choice. Successful people succeed not because things fall on their lap. It's because they make a conscious decision. I want that. I deserve that. I am worthy of that. That is mine, even if it's not mine in this moment. And watch me do it. But then, of course, for some people, there are some, there's resistance that comes in because their mindset, their fears, beliefs, self-image, identity, all that stuff happening in the mindset realm, the subconscious realm, isn't in alignment with that big goal. So this is what we teach is a mindset first methodology. Mm-hmm. Because when you give somebody a plan here, here's how you get to seven figures with your life back. Here you go. 
She's not going to apply it. Go run and be free. (laughs) Good luck. It's not going to happen because all the beliefs, the identity, the self-image hasn't caught up with the vision. It is frankly not worth working towards Mm. unless you're willing to do the mindset work, unless you can learn from somebody who's already there and can guide you. This is what I had to do for myself, right? Who can guide you and say, tell you the best practices, but also the pitfalls that are around the corner, tell you when to hang on, when like your ego goes crazy and fear tries to get the better of you. Transformation of this magnitude, this exponential magnitude doesn't happen in your existing experience or comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You need to be stretched discomfort, I think, you know, yeah. is, is, we shouldn't be uncomfortable all the time, but discomfort, I think is a sign of growth. And I remind yeah, my clients absolutely. of that all the time. It's the decision. You said something that was really, that really struck me. Everything starts to change the moment that de- the decision is made. That doesn't still guarantee the outcome though. <laughs> it's like the universe mm-hmm. starts to trend, you know, conspire in your favor, but if we're lacking belief, you know, it's not, it doesn't happen. Belief is your neural pathways. If we're going to talk about the brain, mm-hmm. belief is science, but belief is also spiritual. Yeah. Belief is also metaphysics and the quantum fields. Belief is really at the core of all of this. And you can't just pretend to believe because pretending or, you know, just affirmations. And hey, I, I like, I'm all about affirmations. But until they become part beyond belief and go straight to this is who I am, I am a woman who makes seven figures with her life back. I am a woman who that becomes an identity and the identity changes your behavior. Again, I talk about this in the leverage business book because you can't just go with the strategy. You can get the strategy online. Just you can get it in a in a free book. You can go watch YouTube, right? Yeah. That's not where the transformation happens. The transformation happens on your subconscious, but also in your strategy when you are witnessed by hundreds of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Doesn't happen in your living room by yourself. Yeah, too much doubt floats around in that space. I think. Do you in isolation? You breed self-doubt and you fuel the law of diminishing intent. I'm just going to say that one more time. Yes, please do. Isolation breeds self-doubt. Okay. So let's say that you decide to go to a million and you're going to do the thing and you've got all these great ideas. If you are left to to your own devices, this is what, what happens with most people is a Two to three days set in. <laughs> right? Been this there. is universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conversely, if you are in a community of other people who have the same dream, goal, aspiration, and I recommend this for everybody, wherever they can find this, and they find a fearless leader who will share all their tools. And say, first you do this, then you do this. 
watch out for that, best practice this, and you're on this journey. That original goal, which gets reinvigorated each day, takes a life of its own. And however cheesy this sounds, when you are in a community with other people on the journey who want it just as badly for you as they want it for themselves, and maybe they even believe in you more than you believe in yourself in that moment, there's nothing you can't do. Hmm. When you have people be the, the wind in your sails, again, the, the, what, this could be the cheesy part, but you have hundreds of people believing in you that way and giving you the resources and, and, and the belief in self, there's nothing you can't do. Yeah, that's so powerful. I think this is a, a really important point to bring out to our listeners. A lot of times we might get hung up along the way thinking, well, I can't afford this or you know, whatever to, to bring someone into your life or to work with a coach or something like that. And my recommendation is always figure out how or find someone who will mentor you or barter, whatever it takes, go and find someone. A group, a group of those someone's. There's lots of, you know, lots of places to go find that, but really be, make sure, like you were talking about isolation, make sure that you're surrounded with people who believe in you, maybe more than you believe in yourself. And yeah. entrepreneurship, one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is because entrepreneurship feels, it feels like an island. We're very misunderstood humans. <laughs> a lot of people don't get us and we need to find people who are, you know, just willing to go against the grain in their own way, who get that, you know, who can support us and help us along the way. They don't even have to be in the same industry. It doesn't even matter. I have been talking about this for so long. I'm underlining and highlighting everything you just said. The way that I speak about it is being an entrepreneur is one of the loneliest um, experiences on the planet. There may be other things that are lonely, but this is one of them because as you said, nobody gets us. They don't understand why we would leave a safe paycheck, which by the way, is not safe because you can't control how much you make and they can pull it from under your feet, like a rug at any time. Yep. There's nothing more safe than making your own money and lots of it. Mm. And then people are always telling us to get a real job. Even when we're making 125000 a year, 250 a year, there are still people who are, you ever heard the crabs in the bucket analogy? Uh, when you've got a oh, bucket yes, of little the, crabs. Yep. Yep. And like when one crab wants to, is like almost out of the bucket, the other ones will pull that crab down, say, yep. no, you stay with us. Otherwise, yep. you will make us feel inadequate or whatever. Don't leave us. Mm-hmm. And that's what I call the muggle world does to us, it can become very toxic. And especially when things aren't going well, and let's, let's be honest, it doesn't always go well, even when you're at seven figures, right? New right. level, new devil. Right. And, and people will, will try to bring you down. This is why it's massively important that for every toxic person that you have in your life, even if they're a lovely person, but they're their beliefs about successful entrepreneurship are toxic to your confidence. You need to surround yourself with at least five to 10 super friends, Mm. at least who are entrepreneurs who, uh, who get it and who will not judge you and who will give you a safe place to land if you need it most. 
and who will encourage you and believe in you and champion you. This is the core of entrepreneurial confidence, is being with other people who will not talk you out of the thing you can't control, which is to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You can't control it. I I was made this way. You were made this way, Tracy. Yeah. You said you're unemployable. And I I think back to the days when I was employed and how much I frustrated my bosses. (laughs) I was very, very good at what I did, but I was constantly pushing boundaries and trying to work around things that got in my way and it drove them nuts, right? Because I wasn't staying inside of the box. And I've had the dark nights of the soul where I've been like, "Mm, maybe I'll just go back to corporate. Maybe I'll take this skill set and go into a corporation. And then I, and then I, you know, snap out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) I haven't had those thoughts in, you know, more than five years, but I've had them, you know, along the way. And yeah. And, and some of my clients get those thoughts too. It's normal. And, oh. It's normal because we're yeah. being tested at Constantly. every turn. <laughs> yes. Most people, I, I really believe that entrepreneurship is a full contact sport. And most people do are not brave enough to, to dig deep. Yeah, it is like <laughs> mano a mano combat. Yes. <laughs> and and but, but you know what? I wouldn't do it over anything else Same. because... Of the freedom, the impact, the control. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people have different reasons for starting their businesses. I started my business kind of out of necessity. Like I had, I was newly divorced. I had two tiny kids. I'd been out of the workforce for a while. It was in the last recession. And I was looking at being really lucky to work for like a consulting firm. And maybe I would have had 120,000, 130 salary, which was great. But I was a single mom with tiny kids and I wanted to be with them and I wanted to not be penalized if they needed to stay home from school or, you know, whatever. And, uh, I had somebody come to me four times, (laughs) four times saying, you should really be a coach. I was like, you know, really full of myself. (laughs) The fourth time I said, hold on, let me go get certified and I'll come back. And (laughs) And that was the first person who paid me. It was great. <laughs> Sometimes the universe like bangs our door. Like I'm, I'm on. learning that if I hear it a second time, it's good. It's all right to take action. I can trust There's it. Like I don't time. wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is, you know, we all have different reasons for, for jumping in with, as I used to have a German roommate when I was in grad school who, who used this phrase, which cracked me up, jumping into the cold water with both feet. And that yeah. to me is entrepreneurship. It's yeah. like every day going polar bearing. <laughs> yeah. And, and choosing it mm-hmm. because the, the, the opposite, what's the alternative there? Is, there is no alternative Mm-mm. when you're truly entrepreneurial. Mm-mm. And it's a calling. Most people I know it's a calling. They see a gap in the market or they have, for me, it was a pull. And that one angel in my life who finally said, I will pay you, you know, <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I think we all, we all recognize it's entrepreneurship isn't for everybody and it's no shame. Like my husband works in the corporate world and he's pretty happy there. And, you know, it's everybody does what they need to do and what they enjoy doing. But I think the people who really commit to entrepreneurship are taking a huge leap of faith, massive leap of faith. Oh my gosh. And it just takes, it takes a lot of personal resilience, I think, but also like adaptability. I think, you know, we really have to be able to adjust and, and make those course corrections. Courage, bravery, yeah. digging deep. Yeah. 
always improving above and beyond. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. And people sometimes say to me, why are you always looking to get to the next level? What do you, I had this one person said this to me many, many years ago. And I said, well, you make it sound like that's bad. <laughs> But for me, it's a curiosity, Tracy. Mm. I'm a spiritual person. I always ask myself. And I'll say God, goddess, the universe, source energy, the all that is, formless substance, whatever you want to call it. What does, what does the divine have in store for me? How much joy, abundance, impact, meaning, fulfillment, can I have, can I experience in this lifetime and where do I stop and why? And so for me, it's not actually about the money. It's not about accumulation. It's actually a curiosity of how many lives can I impact and what am I really made of? Now, I'm not working all evenings and weekends. Like I said, I'm, I'm working two to three hours a day. But I'm still curious and reaching for what's, what wants to come through me. Mm-hmm. If you look at this from a spiritual perspective, what wants to express itself through me in only the way it can be? And how big could it get? That's so different from when I think of like constantly chasing more money. And by the way, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to make more money. So that's not what I'm saying, but there's something that feels a little bit like scarcity when it's just about money. Whereas this curiosity that you, that you described feels really open and like, I'm kind of getting goose pimply. So I'm feeling Mm -hmm. it too, that, that it's wanting to be of service, right? Showing up and knowing that you've got something to share. Um, you've got a lot of something to share with the people in the world who want and need it. And I think that that's, that is a completely different ball game from, oh, well, I, you know, I want to nothing wrong again with like wanting to go from seven to eight figures or beyond, but being of service and, and being curious how many more people you can help and whose lives you can touch and the ripple that that creates in the universe for all the good things, I think is it's very different. It's very open. Like the other, it feels very constricted and this feels much more yeah. open. Are you, are you familiar with Ikigai? The, the reason for being the, the Japanese, um, it's four questions and they're very simple, but it's a totally powerful process. The most fulfilled people know what their reason for being is. Mm. And this is at the core of the leveraged business program is to use your life. It's not accumulation for accumulation sake. It's not this toxic masculine competition. It's more like, what is my reason for being? And here are the four questions in case it serves anybody who's listening today. The first one is to ask yourself, what am I deeply passionate about? Like, what do I love? Who do I want to be a hero to or take a stand for? What am I passionate about? The second question is, what am I really good at? What am I exceptionally good at, even if I take it for granted? What am I uniquely talented at? And and I, I inverse the last two questions. The question I ask next is, what does the world need? 
as it relates to what I do. And that ties into your big why. It ties into this isn't just about money. This is about your cause. This is about your reason for getting up in the morning. The thing that will, you know, you've heard people talk about, I bolt out of bed. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't always bolted out of bed in my business. You know, it's right. like, oh my God, the business. it's Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're tied to your reason for being, it takes on a totally different meaning whereby scaling the business, the thing that excites you the most is because of how many people you, you touch. I look at myself as being like, I know this is going to sound maybe a little controversial, but like Vanna White, you know how she used to turn the letters oh, yeah. on yes. the Wheel of Fortune? Now yeah. she just touches, <laughs> she taps and it comes, the light comes on. Yeah. It's kind of how I want to see myself in the world. And maybe I can inspire somebody today to look at themselves as how many people can I light up. Mm -hmm. um, and the fourth question is, how am I good at monetizing? For me, and then for you, probably the same thing is you're probably good at coaching, creating content, creating, being a catalyst in somebody's life, writing, speaking, all that stuff. Like, what are the skills that I'm good at that could help me monetize this? Because here's the thing. You could be passionate. You could be really good at something and you could make the world a better place. But if you don't make money, <laughs> you're going to have to go back to corporate. So right. the monetization piece. Very important. That, yeah. Because <laughs> if you don't get good at that, you can't keep doing it. Yeah. I think there's a point at which it becomes painful to be in business if the money's not flowing. There's also a point at which I remind my clients of this because they'll, they're very high achieving. So they often are already in the high six coming into seven figures in their revenues. There is a point at which your business demands that you elevate. <laughs> there are many points, <laughs> yeah. but the point where they come to me is the point where it's time for them to start behaving like a CEO yeah. and, you know, doing things very differently. And so they've monetized. So I think about, you know, the people who might be listening, um, Sales sometimes sounds so cheesy. When I first started my business, I, I had such an aversion to the word sales until I recognized that every single thing I do is selling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we can be very natural at it without having to try. Just do it. Invite, you know, invite people on a journey and, and hold space and, and ask, you know, directly ask. But I think that, you know, this idea, what am I good at monetizing? It needs to be it needs to be center. It really does not center, but close to the center. It has to be part of the process and part of the, the questions. I love these four questions. Let everybody push, pause, rewind, <laughs> write it down. Cause this is really, mm -hmm. really, really good. Yeah. Cause money is key, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. It's currency is what we use. And so we need to be able to have an abundant, you know, source of, of income. Like anything, it's not what the thing is. Money is neutral. It's what projection you have about money and people who have it. Mm -hmm. It's like marketers. You know, we we celebrate people who build a better mousetrap, but we demonize people who market and sell a better mousetrap. Mm -hmm. And if you look at marketers, um, we all... I, I mean, because I've coached tens of thousands of women, many people want to put marketing on the back burner because they don't want to be a marketer. I just want to do my thing, Fabienne. I just want to coach or I just want to whatever. Yep. And, and I have to remind them that 
you know, unless you're independently wealthy and you have 25, 50 years, you, you need to actually market. Mm-hmm. And no, I, very few people have a hundred percent referral only practice. And when you see being a marketer as a bad thing, you're not going to want to market. Right. And so my invitation to people is to actually change two things, change the priority of marketing where um, I have them start to say, I am a marketer who mm-hmm. I am a marketer who teaches health coaching. I am a marketer who is a consultant. I am a marketer who is an architect because you're arguably your most important job is marketing. I know people want to say, no, my most important job is working with the clients. Yes. And no, no clients, no delivery. No (laughs) And the second thing is you get to decide what kind of marketing you marketer you want to be and the marketing you want to do. And I actually talk about this in the leveraged business in the leverage your marketing chapter. One of the reasons most people never grow to multiple six or seven figures is that they, I'm going to use the word demonize again, marketing and marketers. But if you can ignore the marketers and the salespeople that you have experienced in the past, and you can say, what kind of marketer do I want to be? Then you be that, right? So for me, a long, long time ago, I chose to be an authentic, integrous, and loving marketer. I chose compassion, love. I send all my marketing emails, sign them, love or so much love to you or I believe in you because that's who I am mm-hmm. in my everyday life. I am an encouraging marketer. I am a a championing marketer. I'm an inspiring marketer. And I don't mind saying these things. It's because it's who I've decided to be. And so I invite anybody listening to this. If you want to grow your business to the next level, you need to increase, dramatically increase the kind of marketing you're willing to do. But the only way to do that is to be more of who you already are. So here's what I mean. If you're funny, be funny in your marketing. And you'll attract lots of clients. If you're spiritual, be spiritual in your marketing. If you're sarcastic, naturally, be sarcastic in your marketing. If you are loving and compassionate, be loving and compassionate in your marketing. The more that you're marketing, you're selling, your business is an, is an extension, is, is the essence of who you really are, then it's not work. And all the naysayers can say whatever whatever they want to say. In the end, if you can accept who you really are and just turn up the volume on that, your people will find you. Your people will resonate, uh, like Simon Sinek talks about, that will resonate with the why, right? The center of that that three-ring circle. And they'll, on a brainwave level, want to work with you. Mm-hmm. But if you are being inauthentic, if you are using formulas that are and scripts and whatever that are not you, you're not going to want to do it. And the person on the receiving end is not going to connect with you. And so you're going to wonder, why is it so hard to get new clients? You leverage by marketing first by leveraging your essence. Mm-hmm. Does that That's- resonate? Oh, big time. I think that's, that's huge because there's so many, you know, gurus, little quotes here that Mm -hmm. tap into our fears 
and make Mm -hmm. us think that if we don't follow a formula and do it their way and use their words and whatever, that, that, you know, nothing is going to work, but it's been my experience, my clients, many of the guests on the show that when you just show up as who you are, write the way you write, speak the way you speak, make your mistakes, make your jokes, whatever, that it, it, it's magnetic. Mm-hmm. And people are very drawn to that. And the people who are looking for you show up and go, where have you been my whole life? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm going to say something controversial, okay? But I don't mean it to be controversial. I've had the good fortune to have a lot of mentors over the last 20 plus years. The overwhelming majority being men. Now, I want to start off by saying I love men. I'm married to a wonderful man. I'm raising some wonderful men. My best friends are men. I love men. I love the masculine. And I love the feminine too. But for the last 5,000 years or more, the masculine has been what is celebrated. Doing versus being. Competition versus um, compassion or or collaboration. um, All of that. You know, accumulation versus all, all the things. And for women who want to see uh, what they're made of and who are natural achievers, the only examples we've had are masculine ways of doing business. And I'm going to refer to them as bro marketing and bro <laughs> yes. selling and mm-hmm. bro networking and bro masterminding. And I don't have to say anything more than that because you already know exactly what I'm talking about. And for women who wish to achieve better business results, we've had to, we've had to look at the scripts the, for closing of the sale, for the, the marketing funnels. We've had to look at how to show up and sell from the stage or do networking and we just, for me, it would just be such a chasm with who I really am that, and, and I'm, I'm, I know because I speak about this in front of in large groups of women and audiences of people who, who nod their heads and an odd tear rolls down the face. And so this is the, the moment in our uh, evolution as women in business where at least I'm leading the pack and perhaps some others are too, where you get to market, you get to sell, you get to mastermind, you get to network the feminine way. And when you do business your way, you are able to tap into not just the 50% of the masculine energy. We, No matter who you are on this planet, you have masculine and feminine energy. We have lobbed off all that feminine energy and we're not using it powerfully. So I hope this inspires in some way, but I I am a powerful woman and I'm emotive and I I choose emotive, not emotional because emotional has been a a weapon. You know, why is she so emotional? Why did you have to cry on the day? And and I've heard it. Because we feel stuff. And this is actually my my secret power is that I am deeply intuitive and empathic. And it's what has 
and spiritual. And I, I download and I channel and, and yet I can get you to seven figures in the way that I, I just embrace that. Finally, I came out of the spiritual closet and that's when people came out in droves mm. over the years and said, I knew I was watching you for a reason. Now I know. And so if this can be an invitation to anyone listening to this to say, why don't I just turn up the volume of who I really am? Why don't I turn up the volume of my feminine energy? And it's not about wearing pink, you guys. It's about tapping into the powerful, manifesting. Women are some of the most powerful people on the planet, even though we've been made out to seem like the second sex, the weaker sex. We can withstand things that no one does. And we can channel that energy into our business and create things that astound all others. I love that. Oof. Chills again. I mean, this is this is so powerful and so important to embrace that wherever anybody who's listening lands on the gender spectrum. It's like really embracing who you are. I love what you said, turning up the volume on who you are like that. I I got this image of like a warrior sort of standing up on uh, overlooking a valley, you know, at the top of a mountain, just standing there being. And that's, I think that's something that more of us need to embrace and really step into. And you can go ahead and do it scared. I think it's, you know, when people say, do it, be fearless. I'm not fearless. I have fear every single day, but you know, mm-hmm. so what do we do with that? You know, and how can we step into it and, and do it anyway? Right. And I, th- I feel like that's a really powerful statement to be, to turn up the volume on who you are. Yeah. Really and if you fun. understand that you can't actually fail, and this is the part that's where I welcome spirituality and business, whatever spirituality looks like to you. Some people may be religious and all different kinds of religions. Some people may be new age or whatever we want to call that. You can use whatever your way of connecting to the divine to say, wait, so if this is who I am really, and the divine does not make mistakes, then I am not a mistake. Therefore, if I turn up the volume on that part of me, which is divine, then it doesn't matter what they say. And I can't make a mistake. So how about I play full out being the most me that I can be unapologetically? What if I just took up more space and let people see who I am without apology. What is it that, wow, what might happen? If I've got the divine on my side, whatever the divine looks like, how far could I go? Hmm. Beyond what can even be imagined yet, right? I think that's the the beautiful thing about being open and willing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Ah, oh, I feel... I feel like we could talk for hours. <laughs> Me too. Oh my gosh, I've really enjoyed this. Well, I want to you know, respect your time and make sure that we don't go over our allotted time here. But before we go, if I could just ask you two more questions. Um, the first is, where can we find you? And where can we send people to, to check out what you're doing and to support you? Thank you for asking. Um, you can find me on all the social media things, but one of the best places is boldheart.com. Um, uh, uh, if anything, uh, and then I'll give a free resource as well. 
going to boldheart.com and looking at the success stories, not, not because I'm here to sell, but more like as inspiration. I feel like many people are, if they see that it can be done by somebody else, in fact, hundreds of other people, it's like, wow, there's a new, we talk about self-image and identity. If they can do it, maybe I can too. So whether it's my place or just go and, and look at people's um, success stories on, on websites and then just say, if they can, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, at the top of boldheart.com, there's also the, the book, The Leveraged Business, how you can go from overwhelmed at six figures to seven figures and get your life back. And it's my entire leverage program. It's all in the pages. What happens is people read it and then they, <laughs> and they, they stop reading and they call and they say, help me do this. Yeah. So, it's not for everybody, but if it resonates, um, and and you can you can get if you can get the book for free, you don't have to pay for it. If you go to theleveragedbusinessbook.com, theleveragedbusinessbook.com, uh, the only thing I ask is that you pay the two two dollars and ninety five cents shipping. Uh, that allows us to do the printing and ship it to you, and then you'll get the assessment, you'll get the cheat sheet, you'll get the video series, you'll get all these tools that have you begin to implement it and see some results in advance. And if ever it makes sense for us to work together, raise your hand, let's talk. But this is our way of starting the conversation by giving, giving, giving first. Wonderful. I'll make sure that all of these links are readily available in the show notes so people can get there easily. Oh, so, I mean, I'm, we were talking about it earlier, but I'm very excited. I'm going to get the book today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time for me to read that too. Um, well, I have just really enjoyed our conversation and um, appreciate your time. I, and that, I mean, you're just, you're so generous in how you share your thoughts and, and tips. And I know that, uh, that our listeners appreciate it as well. Before we go, do you have any final thoughts, any tips that you like to share with people to help them reach the success they desire? I think I'm going to say this briefly. It's that there's never been anybody like you in 13.7 billion years. There's nobody like you now. And there will never, ever, ever again be anybody like you. And I believe that every single one of us came into this world with a song in our hearts. And I believe that song should be heard far and wide. And no, no one can do it like you. So just give yourself permission to sing that song far and wide. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to share this with our listeners and just really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks for being a wonderful uh, resource here. I appreciate what you do in the world. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.